You know, I'm just so thrilled. I, I was watching Ashley, and seven years ago, man, his life was coming unraveled, and here he is. His daughter is alive and well. I mean, just full of life. His boys are loving God. They're living here. They're being a blessing. They're helping with the healing school, helping run our third-year classes, taking missions trips, just changing people's lives. Well, what Jesus can do with a person's life. And, you know, I believe that this meeting has been special. I really believe that the power of God's been here. I've just, uh, I've been impacted tremendously. And I know that if... If uh, you have opened up your heart, this could be a turning point. This could be a place that you look back, and I mean, God did something in your life that you'll never be the same. I really believe that that's happened. I just, uh, I didn't turn around and look when Greg was ministering this morning, but just out of the corner of my eyes looking over here, and there was a lot of people that responded to him and stood. And you know what? If you would just follow through with this, um, it'll be awesome. And I'll tell you, the things that I've been ministering on about praising God are really a super important part of this. It changes your heart. It'll change your receptiveness to the Lord. It'll change your whole outlook on life. You don't just wait until you feel like praising God. You do it because it's what the Word of God says to do. And when you start, it's like you prime the pump. Sometimes you have to start in the flesh to end up in the Spirit. And you start out just out of the natural, just praising God maybe through gritted teeth, but you do it. And I mean, pretty soon, this joy and peace that God has on the inside of you starts flowing out, and it gets to where it is really genuinely coming out of you, and it changes your life. It's a weapon against the devil. And what I want to share with you this morning uh, is, in my estimation, which is the only estimation I've got, the most important thing that actually you could ever get. I had an employee one time who had been on cocaine And I mean, his life had been totally messed up and he got born again. And within just a year or so of being born again, got hooked up with my ministry and he came and he worked in the ministry. And this guy was as ardent about serving the Lord and seeking God as anybody I ever knew. And he listened to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of my tapes. And this guy was just being transformed. And he came to me one time and he says, if you only had one opportunity to minister to people, what would you minister? And, you know, I honestly didn't know how to respond at first because it depends on what the person's need is. If they need healing, well, then you minister on, you know, something concerning healing or finances or, I mean, healing or um, whatever. And so, anyway, I thought about it for a while. I actually thought about it for a day or two. And finally, I decided that if I only had one opportunity to minister to people, I'd minister on a subject that I call eternal life. Now, I'm not going to minister on that this morning, but it, I mean, I am ministering about that. I'm just not ministering that whole message. I've got an abbreviated time here this morning. But I'm going to be talking about how praise affects God. And most people don't understand this. We've talked about how praise affects us and how powerful it is. It's absolutely essential. You are going to be a negative, bitter, angry person if you don't live a life of praise and thanksgiving. It's also a weapon against the devil. You aren't going to be strong unless you learn how to start operating in praise. And so it's what gives you uh, strength against the enemy. And I mean, it just stops the devil in its tracks. But also the most important thing, and this is what really lights my fire, is that praise blesses God. Let me turn over to Acts chapter 13. Let's start with this passage of Scripture. 
And I'm asking you that you just open up your heart because really, if you could understand what I'm talking about here, this would just revolutionize your life. In Acts chapter 13, it talks about all of these people that were gathered together at the church at Antioch and mentions them. And it says in verse two, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I've called them. Again, there's many things I could draw out of this verse. And one of the things is, as they were ministering to the Lord, the gifts of the Spirit began to operate. And the Holy Spirit said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul. I'm sure that if you've been in the church very long, you notice that when you get into a time of praise and worship and things like this, that typically the gifts of the Holy Spirit will begin to operate. You know, we don't see as much of that as we used to because churches now don't allow people to operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And that's a whole nother message. But back in the early days of the charismatic move, you couldn't get people together worshiping the Lord without the Holy Spirit beginning to move and awesome things happen. And we kind of squelch that. Hopefully I don't, but most people do today. But uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit flow as you begin to worship the Lord and give unto him. God is never going to let you out giving. It just opens you up and makes you receptive to the things of God. So as they were worshiping the Lord, the gifts of the Holy Spirit began to operate. Paul got commissioned and sent out. And basically the rest of the book of Acts happened because these people were fasting and praying, ministering unto the Lord. But I wanted you to focus on this fact that it says here that as they ministered to the Lord and fasted. What does it mean when it says that they ministered to the Lord? Most of us, when we talk about ministering, we're saying right now that I'm ministering and I'm ministering to you. I'm telling you things that can help you and all of these kind of things. When you minister to the Lord, what does that mean? Are you preaching to the Lord? Are you telling the Lord what he needs to do? It's loving on him. Did you know what? When you love on the Lord, when you tell God, thank you, it just does something to the Lord. And this is a new wrinkle in many people's brain. Most people have never thought this way. I was raised to believe, you know, we sang a song about my eyes were made to read his word. My feet were made to walk in his paths. I was born to serve the Lord. My hands were made to serve one another. And in the church I was raised in, it was all about do something for God. Do something for God. Do something. Do a work. You go out and do something. We used to have this little poem that says, Mary had a little lamb. It would have been a sheep, but it joined the Baptist church and died from lack of sleep. (laughs) And I mean, it was all about doing something. You got to do something. And I was often told that the way that you show the Lord that you love him is by doing things. And there is a partial truth to that. You know, Pastor Greg was talking about the manifold, the many-faceted grace of God. And it is true that if you truly love a person, it shouldn't just be talk. There ought to be a genuine follow-through and there ought to be actions. And so there's a partial truth here that, yes, we need to show God our love by serving Him and loving other people and doing that. But you know what? It was just totally brand-new concept to me that God loved me just for me and not for what I could do for him. I actually was at a uh, missions conference one time and the guy was up there preaching and saying that the sole purpose for your existence is to lead another person to the Lord, 
to touch somebody's life. If all God wanted to do is bless you, he'd take you to heaven. The reason you're here is because God wants to use you. And it was all preaching on that you got to do something. You got to reach out to people. And again, there is a partial truth to this that Paul said that I'm a debtor, not only to the Jew, but also to the Greek. And so he laid his life down. And yes, we are supposed to touch other people. But you know, the Lord spoke to me while he was saying that and say, and told me, he says, well, then what was God, what was my sole purpose for Adam and Eve? Adam and Eve didn't have anybody to lead to the Lord. Adam and Eve didn't have any demons to cast out. They didn't have any miracles to perform. They didn't have any clothes to believe for, cars to believe for. There weren't any things to do. There weren't buildings to build. If my sole purpose for your existence is to use you and do something through you, well, then there was no purpose for Adam and Eve's existence until after they sinned and until things needed to be straightened out. And I believe that that's a wrong statement. Look over here in Revelation chapter 4. And this is telling us what's going on in heaven right now. This says that this is happening 24 hours a day in heaven. That the uh, 24 elders are sitting on their thrones and they have crowns. And then the four beasts constantly, day and night, cease not to give thanks and to worship the Lord. And every time that they worship the Lord, which it says is day and night... Then the 24 elders fall on their face and throw their crowns before the Lord. So I just see these 24 elders falling on their face, worshiping the Lord, and then they sit back down, put their crowns on, and about that time the, the four beasts start worshiping God again, and it's just up and down all the time, just praising God constantly. So in Revelation chapter 4, this is what it's describing, and here's what they say before God. Right now, this is going on in heaven. In verse 11, it says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. Now, this is very significant the way it says it. It didn't say that God's original purpose was so that we could be for His pleasure, but it says His original purpose, it was and it still is so that we could be for his pleasure. Did you know God created Adam and Eve for fellowship? And he wanted to love them, and he did love them by all of the things that he provided. Plus, he met with them every day in the cool of the evening and talked to them. And you know, what did they have to talk about? You know, if you would evaluate this based on how we pray... Did you know most people today don't spend a lot of time in prayer? But if you do spend time in prayer, the very first thing we do is, oh, God, I come before him, so I'm so sorry I messed up again. And you just think you have to repent of all of your sins and mention all of your sins real quickly. If you'll mention them, maybe God won't. So you enter into his presence, bowing and scraping and apologizing for everything. And then you, you confess all of your sins. And if you're really spiritual then you come in confessing everybody else's sins and asking God to forgive them and move in their life and do this. But the whole time around God, it's all about how sorry we are. Oh, God, we need this. Oh, God, move. Oh, God, don't pour out your wrath. And this is how most people's prayer life goes. What did Adam and Eve have to talk to God about? And they didn't have sin to repent of. They didn't have anything to ask for. They didn't need clothes. They didn't need food. They didn't need anything. What do you talk to God about? 
when you live in perfection? You know, I don't know, but I, I bet you part of it was they were just saying, God, you're awesome. Your creation is so wonderful. This is the most beautiful day I've ever had. We had a fruit today that we had never tasted. It was absolutely awesome. We saw flowers today. We saw an animal today that we named the duckbill platypus. And it was just like you had all of these parts left over and you just put them into one animal. We saw things that we, and they just were talking to him and saying, it's awesome. Thank you for such a wonderful day. You know what? That, it, they were just there for his pleasure. And when they said, thank you, thank you for creating such a wonderful world. Thank you for giving me my wife. Thank you for creating a helpmate. You know, when they did things like that, I believe it blessed God. It was for his pleasure. And God gets tremendous pleasure, just like you with your children. We give things to our children and often they'll take it and they're gone. And we know that they're enjoying it, but sometimes they don't even say thanks. Man, what does it do for you when your kid comes back and just says thanks? You know, lots of times they'll come and they'll start saying, oh, dad, you're the greatest dad. You're so wonderful. And I say, what do you want? (laughs) Some of you know what I'm talking about. You know, many times the only time people will praise God is because they're buttering him up, uh, working up to asking for something. God, I need you to do that. I've actually got a little cartoon that we have on our refrigerator. It's from Family Circus, and it's got a, a picture of all of the angels in heaven. They're sitting on clouds, and they're at computer terminals, and one of them's ringing a big old bell, and it's going... He's just thanking God. He's not asking for anything. And all of heaven erupts into this praise. And I mean, they're dancing and everybody's looking at this, that somebody just praised God without wanting anything in return. And all of heaven just goes wild. I'm sure that all of us have done this at some time or another. But you know, honestly, the vast majority of the time we praise God because, oh, God, you did this. And, God, you did this. And I'm believing you for this. And we're, we're praising him in a sense to get something. But, you know, when you come to the Lord and just start thanking God, Father, thank you that, man, I deserve to go to hell. And you saved me. Thank you for sending your son and dying for me before I ever even asked for it. If I never asked for it, you still forgave my sins, even if I never appropriated it. Thank you that you didn't leave us comfortless, but you sent the Holy Spirit. You know, I was doing this this morning down here just thinking, Father, this is absolutely awesome to have this presence of the Holy Spirit here with us and to be feeling your presence. Sometimes we take that for granted, but what a blessing it is to have the Holy Spirit with us at all times. And you know what? When you thank the Lord, you know what it does? It ministers to the Lord. You can't tell him to repent. You can't tell him to straighten his theology out. You can't make him do stuff. That's not ministering to the Lord. Ministering to the Lord is just saying, thank you, Father. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for the good things that you've done. And vice versa, did you know when you are griping and talking about how bad it is and depressed, it's an insult against God. It's a criticism against God that, God, you did not create a good world. I tell you, God's perfect. God has created a perfect world. He has created a perfect life. There's a lot of bad things in this world, but none of it is God's doing. 
Mankind created this evil. Mankind is the one that loosed the devil. We are the ones that has released all of this stuff. There's a lot of bad in this world, but I tell you, God is just absolutely awesome. He is so good to us. You know, I had a woman in, um, in Illinois one time. I had a man come up to me during this meeting. He's here, and he was at one of my meetings 25, 30 years ago, and he told me about being at this church in uh, Illinois. And I remember that meeting because there's a woman that came forward, and I had a word of knowledge that somebody had been sexually abused when they were a child. And this woman came forward, and as I was ministering unto her, this woman, you could tell she had been hurt and she was hardened and she was uh, bitter. and there was, I mean, it was just uh, written all over her, her whole life. She's probably 30-something years old, and her whole life had just been spent bitter. And the way that the Lord helped me to minister to her, he started giving me words of knowledge about this woman from the time she was a little kid, even back to the rape. And I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know anything about this woman. And I just, the Lord showed me that the man who raped her actually tried to kill her. And God supernaturally saved her life. And you know, I didn't know that in the natural. I just started flowing in the gifts of the Holy Spirit and telling her time after time after time that God had saved her life and how that this had tried to happen. And I revealed things to her. And this woman began to go back and instead of focusing on the bad that had happened to her, that God didn't do, God doesn't control that, God doesn't make everything in your life happen. There had been a lot of bad things happened to her, but I just began to go back and show her the good and how God had been faithful and how God had perfect, protected her and how God had brought her a godly husband and had given her children. And, you know, as I began to start pointing out the good and showing how faithful God was to her, this woman just began to cry, and I mean worship the Lord. And after the thing was over, she came up and she says, I have let the bad that happened overshadow all of this good. And when she saw how faithful God was, I mean she was just over the top praising God with how faithful he had been to her. I'm not saying that there aren't bad things that happen, but you know what? When you gripe about it and when you focus on the negative, you're just like a child that sure, some person came up and did something to them and might have said something and taken something from them. But man, you, the parent is there just loving them and comforting them and willing to minister to them and supply everything. And you're letting what somebody else did overwhelm the love of your, your parent for you. You know, I had some people come and uh, get mad and criticize because of of things that happened in a church and they said that they were angry at God. And I just told them, I said, why would you be angry at God for what a person does? And they just, well, they represent God. And I said, that's as stupid as you getting mad at me over one of the things that my employees does. And yet there's people, see, that they just take offense because somebody has done something. And your father has always been good to you. And when you just say thank you to him and you praise him for how good things are. You know, I was ministering on this very subject and this Pastor Bob Nichols that uh, Dave Hinton was talking about where the two tornadoes collided. I mentioned him, I think, last night. Pastor Bob Nichols was sitting down here on the front row and his daughter has been in a coma for 15 years. It's a long story. But he's had a lot of bad things happening. These tornadoes collided over his building and he lost that and... 
His daughter has had to have 24-hour-a-day nursing care. I was in the hospital the day that the doctors came and said, Pastor, you need to pull the plug. She's brain dead. It's just machines that are taking, keeping her alive. And he, he was real nice to him, and he says, I know you're doing the best you can, but that's not what God's told me. And so anyway, they took her off the machines. Fifteen years later, she's still alive. She can walk. She can stand and just take a couple of steps. Every once in a while, she can say a couple of words. But I mean, it's painfully slow. Fifteen years he struggled with this. This guy's had so many things happen in his life that most people would just feel sorry for Pastor Bob. And yet I was preaching along this line about praising God for how good it is and not looking at the bad. And I was talking on this, and Bob just stood up in the very middle of my sermon and threw his Bible on the floor. And he said, I've had all of this I can take. He says, I've just got to praise God for his goodness and how good he is. And he just started praising God. And people that knew his situation started hitting their knees and repenting and saying, oh, God, forgive me for griping and complaining. Pastor Bob Nichols just praises God. You'll never meet that guy a time than when he's sitting here and depressed and discouraged. And he has a lot of things. He just asked me to pray with him when I was with him in November. He's got, he said the worst thing that's ever happened in his life is going on right now. And yet he's just praising God and loving God. You'd have to... Have him tell you that I need you to help me and pray for me. You'd never know it. And yet there's some people right here, and I'm saying this in love to you, but you gripe, you complain, and you've got it better than what you realize. We were made to be a pleasure to the Lord. You know, a scripture that just breaks my heart every time I read it is over in Genesis chapter 6. And it says that the Lord saw the wickedness of man and that the imagination of his thoughts were only evil continually and it repented the Lord that he had made man. I've never read that verse that I hadn't had tears in my eyes thinking, God, forgive us. You created us for your pleasure. And man, we have given God a lot of grief. Man, the Lord even got, the Lord wanted to repent wanted to wipe out mankind, not just during the flood of Noah, but during Moses' day in Exodus chapter 32. And I'm sure there's been many times that he's looked down and thought, man, this is what I created. We were created for his pleasure. God, we can minister unto him. Did you know God is love? 1 John chapter 4 verse 8. And anybody who loves not only has a need for an outlet for their love, what, what would it be like if you were full of love and didn't have anybody to express your love to? That wouldn't be good. So God not only needs someone to express love to, but if you love somebody and if they never return that love, man, that's terrible. This is what tragedies are written about and all of these plays and stuff. And you know what? God loves us intently and does things for us. I mean, every single day, he makes his sun to shine on the just and on the unjust. He makes his rain to fall. He keeps this world going. He keeps giving you air to breathe. You never have to ask about it. Don't have to do anything. God has just taken care of you. He gives you health. He does all of these things. He's blessed us. He, we've been born in, 
one of the greatest nations that have ever existed. We've got freedom. We've got liberties. We've got prosperity that most of the people that have ever lived on the face of the earth would have given anything to have your level of poverty. I mean, we are just blessed, 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 blessed. God has done all of these things. And very seldom do people just say thank you. And when we do say thank you, it blesses the Lord. You know, over in Psalms chapter 34, verse 1, it says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. You bless the Lord when you give him praise, when you say thank you. And there's just, I could name right now hundreds of scriptures that talk about blessing the Lord. What does it mean to bless the Lord? You know, this lady... It was a friend of mine. She was a cocktail waitress in Las Vegas, and she was just totally pagan. And anyway, she had a miraculous encounter with the Lord and got born again. And she started going to church, and she heard him talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. And so she wanted the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And she asked somebody, he says, how do you get it? And they said, well, you just begin to bless the Lord. And so she thought, okay. So she went home, and since it was the word baptism, she filled up her bathtub with water, and she sat in the bathtub, and she had had a little bit of Catholicism in her life back when she was a young girl. And so she put candles around the bathtub and lit candles, sat in the water, and she started going, bless the Lord, bless the Lord, bless the Lord, because she thought that was blessing the Lord. And you know, by the grace of God, she did receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) But I'm telling you, when it says bless the Lord, I hear people all the time, they go, bless the Lord, bless the Lord. Did you know saying bless the Lord doesn't bless the Lord? When it says bless the Lord, it doesn't mean that you repeat those words. But when you say, Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for what you've done in my life. Thank you that even though the devil has done this to me, he meant it for bad, that you're going to work it together for good. And I just operate in faith. Do you know what that does? It blesses God. It makes God's heart beat a little faster because one of his children that he loves is blessing him, ministering unto him. This is what you and I were created to do. And I'm telling you, most people have never even thought that we have anything to offer God and that God wouldn't be blessed by us. But he loves you so much he died for you. The Lord loves you more passionately than you have ever seen. I can guarantee you that. And God is just longing to hear you sometimes say thanks. Just sometime he would love to have you come and thank him for the good things that he's done. And when you do, it blesses him. I know some of you think God couldn't feel that way about me. He does. That's what all of these verses say. You were created for his pleasure. You are and were. It was the original purpose. This is what God longs for. God longs for a relationship with you and he longs to have you just bless him. You know, my uh, two boys, when they were only six and four, I took them out one day, and they each got to invite a friend, and so they each had a friend with them, and we went out, and we rode horses all day long. We ate junk food. We got ice cream. We built a dam in a creek. We put a rope across it. They fell in the creek. They got filthy, dirty, all of the stuff that if Jamie was around, you know, she wouldn't have liked. 
and we just had an awesome time. We rode horses, and I mean, we spent 10 hours out just doing all of this stuff, had a great time. We went home, cleaned them up, had our devotions, prayed with them, and as I was leaving the room, my youngest son, he was only four, he said, Dad, and I said, Yep, and he said, You're a good dad. You know what that did for me? It blessed me. That's all he said was just, you're a good dad. And it blessed me. He didn't go, you're a good dad. <laughs> he didn't go, bless you, dad. All he did was just say, you're a good dad. And you know what? I got so blessed that I wanted to get him out of bed and go horseback riding and do all of this over again just so I could hear him say, you're a good dad. Man, that's awesome. That's the way our Heavenly Father is with us. When it says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. That's not saying you just go, bless the Lord, bless the Lord. But you know what? You live your life in praise. And when you do it, you bless God. Anybody who loves has a need to be loved in return. And so in that sense, God has a need that only you can fulfill. I can't fulfill your need to bless God. And when you start loving the Lord, it blesses God. This is why he created us. You know, we had one of our Bible college students just last year ask me if God knew that Adam and Eve were going to sin and that the human race would be plunged into all of this darkness and that there would be mass murderers, rapists, homosexuals, adultery, and all of the terrible things. Why would God have gone ahead and have done this since he knows the end from the beginning? And I didn't know exactly how to answer him, but basically I just responded by saying, you know what? He just thought that having you love him was worth all of that rest of that stuff. And this is what Jesus said. It says, for the joy, this is Hebrews chapter 12, verses 2 and 3, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of God the Father from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. God looked through the hurt and the pain and all of the people who hate him and use his name in vain and the terrible tragedies that have happened and all of the things that have happened, and he looks at us, guys, and he loves us so much that he says, putting up with Hitler, the Holocaust, Genghis Khan, Cain killing Abel, all, everything. It's worth it just to hear you say, thank you, Father, for loving me. Thank you for what you've done in my life. It blesses him. It ministers to him. He loves you so much that you are worth all of the rest of it. And if you could ever get this picture that God loves you this much, and that you can minister unto him, you can bless him, that God needs you. Doesn't need you in the sense that he's going to fall off his throne if you don't do it. He can handle it. But he needs you to love him. If you ever got a picture of that, you know what it does? It places a value on your life for one thing, that you're important. If God has gone to all of this, if he loves you this much, well, then, man, I want to return. I want to bless God. I want God to be thankful for me. Man, I want him to appreciate me. I know some of you have never thought of it this way. You know, 35 years ago, I was only on radio. And 
uh, I was ministering, and there was a woman in Huntsville Prison in Texas. She was in for multiple murders. And I don't know the whole story, but she wrote me a letter. And in this letter, it was like five or six pages long, and it was written in ink, and you could see where she had cried. And I mean, tears had just nearly made this letter so that you couldn't read it. And she listened to me teach on this on the radio 35 years ago about ministering unto God and blessing God. And this woman was in for multiple murders. She was in solitary confinement. She was facing execution. And um, anyway, is a long story. She gave me her story. And when she got uh, in prison, she got born again. And she was forgiven of her sins. But the way she was looking at her life was she had not only ruined her life, she had a husband and kids, and they totally disowned her, wouldn't have anything to do with her. And she was totally rejected by them. She had not only destroyed her own life, but she had destroyed the lives of other people and their families, and people hated her. And she realized all of the hurt and the pain that she had brought to other people. And then in prison, she was in solitary confinement. So she couldn't even minister to another prisoner. She couldn't minister to the guards. She said that they slid her food into her under, a, under the door, through a slit in the door. She never even got to talk to a person. And she was just talking about how bad it was and how she felt like that all she's done is just hurt other people. And now she was a leech on society. They were having to pay for her upkeep. And it was costing money. And because of all of this, she had just been praying that the Lord would kill her and that she'd be able to die and she'd get it over with. And she heard me on the radio preaching on this. And this woman wrote me all this stuff. Man, she's just crying and she said... For the first time in my life, she says, I don't care if they put me in solitary confinement. I don't care about anything else. God himself loves me, and I can minister unto God. She says, I've got a purpose for my life. And she says, right here in solitary confinement, and she started glorifying God and talking about what it was like that she had now been worshiping the Lord, and she had had the peace and the presence of God flowing through her. She was happier than she had ever been. She says, I'm free. And this woman's facing execution, and she says, I'm free, just talking about how free she was. She was freer in solitary confinement facing execution than most of us have ever felt free because she found out what her real purpose was, was all about. And I'm telling you, God didn't create you to just use you. Yes, there's a truth about he wants to do something with you. God has given me an opportunity to reach millions of people and to do things, and I'm, I'm appreciative of it, and I, to the best of my ability, I'm doing it. But you know what? If I substitute doing something for God instead of just loving Him, I believe God misses that. I believe that it doesn't please Him. God would rather have me than He would rather have what I can do for Him. You know, when I married Jamie, I told, I, here's what I said when I proposed. I said, I want you to spend the rest of my life with me and share the rest of my life. And I married Jamie because I loved Jamie. I didn't even know if she could cook. Turned out she couldn't. <laughs> She's become a very good cook now, but when we got married, I had to teach her how to do a few things. But you know what? I didn't know if she could cook. I didn't know if she could clean house. I didn't know if she could do anything. I didn't marry her for what she could do for me. I could go get a maid. 
if that's what I wanted. I wanted relationship. I wanted relationship with her, not service. Now, the fact that she does clean the house, and I mean, she is just awesome. She keeps a very clean house. And she cooks, and she cleans, and she uh, irons, and she does all kinds of things, and what a blessing she is. And you know what? I just appreciate her doing that. But I didn't marry her for what she could do. She keeps a really clean house. But, you know, if I walked into the house and if I forgot to take my boots off and walked on her carpet and if she yelled at me, how dare you mess up my carpet? You do this and this and this. Did you know the very things that now are a blessing to me? I would resent them. It'd be like she loves that carpet more than she loves me. She loves a clean house more than she loves me. And I'd get to where I hate it. This is exactly what Jesus, I mean, what God said in the Old Testament. He commanded sacrifices He commanded people to do that, and yet they had been offering sacrifices, but they hadn't given him their heart. He says, you aren't doing it with a pure heart. And because of it, he says, away with your sacrifices. They're a stink in my nostrils. Things that he commanded them to do. And brothers, I bet you that there are some of you that are doing the things that God has commanded you to do, but you substitute that for just giving him yourself. And just saying, thank you, Father. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for the good things that you've done. And I'm, t- I'm speaking for the Lord. I'm speaking based on what I've learned and under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that God loves you more than he loves what you can do for him. And he wants you more than he wants your service. He wants you to love him. And this is what praise is really all about. And when you understand this, did you know what? I literally... I don't do it perfectly, but I literally live my life to just try and bring pleasure to the Lord. I believe that this is what I was created for, is to please the Lord, to be thankful unto Him. And man, when somebody hurts me and insults me, and instead of me going to God and enumerating and talking all about it and just griping and complaining, I believe it blesses God when I go there and say, God, this person said this, but man, thank you that you still love me and that I'm still... Uh, loved by you and that's really all that counts and instead of magnifying the problem you start praising him and talking about his goodness and faithfulness and you know I can prove to you that God when you do stuff like this God loves you and he just he can't bless you enough I'm the most blessed man on the face of the planet God just blesses me God will never let you out give him If you bless him and if you're thankful to him, it's just like your kids. They do something for you, and man, you aren't about to let that kid be more generous and more thankful than you are, and you just bless them. I'm telling you guys, this is what you were made for, and many people aren't experiencing the pleasure of the Lord. I've seen people raised from the dead, my own son raised from the dead. I've seen blind eyes open. I've seen deaf ears open. I've seen wonderful things happen. But you know, the greatest thing in my life is just knowing God. If I want to have a good day, you know what I'll do? I'll either sit and study the Word and pray and just fellowship with God all day and just feel His pleasure and let God love on me and I'll love on Him. Or I'll get in the car and I like to drive and I'll turn on a tape. And you know, this is one of the great things about all this praise and worship. Today we have all of these ways that you can get in the car or 
turn your stereo on and you can listen and if you turn the volume up loud enough, you can't tell it's not you singing. I mean, whether you got a good voice or not, you can just sing at the top of your lungs. And I'll drive for eight and ten hours. Sometimes on Monday night, I teach on Monday nights in our Bible school. I'll leave at eight in the morning and I'll just drive through the mountains of Colorado just listening to tapes, praising God, worshiping Him, come here at night, ministering, and go home. That's an awesome day. That's, I enjoy that more than anything else. You can become addicted to loving God because when you do, I don't know how to describe it, but when you just say thank you, instead of spewing out all of your griping and complaining and anger and bitterness and you just love him and say thank you, Father. If I die, it's going to be awesome. When you do that, somehow God turns it back to you and you get blessed more than you bless God. And it becomes addictive. And I know that I'm speaking to some people here that maybe you've just never seen this or understood it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. But these few scriptures that I've shared with you, I'm telling you this is what you were made for. You can minister unto God. You can bless God. God has a need that only you can fill. And this is what you were created for, is to bring pleasure unto Him. And I would just recommend that every one of us just make a decision that, God, I want to bless you. Man, I want you that when I get up in the morning that you're excited because you know I'm going to start thanking you and praising you for the day and for all the good things that, you, that he does. Have you ever had somebody that when you see him coming, you want to move and go the other direction because you know that they're going to start telling you about every ache, every pain, every rotten thing. They're just gripers. They're complainers. You don't like being around people like that. And you know what? Praise God that he loves all of us. But I, I think that it puts God off. When you get up and your feet hit the floor and you're already griping and complaining, even before something goes wrong, you know it's going to go wrong and you start talking about what will happen. If nothing's going on right now, you're worried about what the next problem's going to be. I tell you what, it... It would bless the Lord. God would love it if you just started thanking him for what you've already got. Maybe things aren't as good as they're supposed to be, but praise God, they could be worse. You ought to be thanking God that things are as good as they are. Some of you are wanting to, your wife to be perfect and just griping and complaining about everything. You ought to praise God that it's as good as it is. You ought to hear what your wife has to say about you. And you know what? If you'd start just praising God for the good things and, and the goodness that he's given you and start thanking God for your mate and for your kids and for your job and quit looking at what you don't have and quit lusting and longing for something else. You know, in, a, in my offering talks often, I'll talk about it. It says, having food and raiment, let us be content. What does it take for you to be content? Most people, it's just we're, we're chasing this dream and if you were to win the lottery, some of you live in very nice houses now. You got nice cars, you got boats, you got whatever you want. And if you won the lottery, you wouldn't be content. You would go get something bigger. You would max yourself out. If you won $10 million lottery, you'd go buy a $5 million house. You know what? What does it take for you to be content? How many bedrooms do you have to have 
to be content? How many square feet does it take for you to be content? How big does your bathroom have to be for you to take care of business? You know, God has blessed me. My board treats me better than I deserve, lots better than I deserve. And we are blessed to be able to give up to 80% of everything we get back. And so God has just really blessed us. I don't need anything. But you know what? I could go get a million-dollar house. I could be driving fancy cars. I live in a house that I built for $60,000. It's worth more than that. The builder gave it to me for half price. But I built it, uh, what would that be, 20 nearly 30 years ago, and I'm still living in it. It's a $60,000 house. And you know what? I could get something bigger and better, but why? Man, I'm content. I like it. I like where I live. I love where I live. I drive a Jeep, a detonator yellow Jeep with a big old massive winch on the front, and I use that thing all the time. I could drive a Rolls Royce. I could drive a Bentley. I can go get anything I want. But you know what? I'm content. When you start praising God and thanking Him for what you've got, did you know you would get to where many of you are just so dissatisfied? You ought to have this and that. Man, you just, when are you going to get content? Contentment isn't a state of being. It's a state of mind. You can choose to be content. And if you would just start thanking God for what you've got and worshiping Him, it would change your attitude. It would bless you. It would be a weapon against the devil, and it would bless God. God would be so blessed, and he'll just, he'll give you things. He'll, he'll give you things. When you get that attitude, I guarantee you, it's not a way to pos- poverty. It's not a way to lack. When you get contentment and just start loving God, God just showers so much on you that it's embarrassing, the prosperity that he'll give you. Amen? Anyway, man, I I believe that God has really spoken some awesome things to us. And I believe that there's people right here that you, first of all, have never thought that God valued you so much that your thankfulness and your praise would really bless Him and minister to Him. But I've shown you scriptures that it does. God loves you, and He longs to just hear thank you he longs to hear some, some thankfulness and some praise out of you. And if you would do that and start ministering to the Lord, it would give you a relationship with God that would become so satisfying that anybody else's rejection is nothing in comparison. You know, I've had so many people reject me. I've had lots of things done. Right now, I've got thousands of blogs written about me as the most dangerous man in America. And people say, I'm of the devil and... I've got, I've got people that have spit in my face. I've been kidnapped. I've been threatened to be killed. I've had a lot of things happen to me. But you know what? Honestly, I can say it is nothing because I know God loves me. And I not only know it, I experience it. And I experience his pleasure. And you can get to a point that when you are feeling this love of God, that it just really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what anybody thinks. I've had people come up to me and just start reaming me out, and I just look at them and said, who died and made you God? And they look at me like, what are you saying? And I said, I don't care what you think about me. 
Amen. And some people think you can't live that way. You can when you get into the presence of God. When you know that God loves you, and I mean you know it, it just reaches a place that it wouldn't matter if it's your wife, if it's your child, you might be concerned and you might want to change the situation because you know that God's given you an area of responsibility and you want things to work out. But you can get to a place to where, man, all that makes you tick is God. That's the only thing that winds your clock. That's the only thing that stirs you up. And you can get to where you love him. And as long as you're loving him, they can put you in solitary confinement and be ready to execute you. And you are having the time of your life. Free, free, free. It is nothing that's going on external that's causing your problems. It's the vacuum inside that causes us to collapse. And what we've got to do is begin to start worshiping God and letting God fill you with his presence. And you do that. And I guarantee you, you'll go back. Your family is going to notice a difference. Let me also just give you a word of advice, and I'll quit with this. But Satan will come immediately to try and steal away the word. And you will have something happen. There's more than enough people that are receptive to the devil that uh, he, can, he can find somebody. There, somebody's going to come across your path, do something to you. You'll have something happen that'll try and steal your joy. And you'll, you'll have this put to the test within a very short period of time. But, you know, if you will just take these things and remind yourself and start operating and praise God. Man, if you have a flat tire, praise God that you weren't going 150 miles an hour and wrecked the car when it happened. Praise God that you got the money to fix the flat tire and that things happen. And just look on the positive side of things and start thanking God for his goodness. And if you'll do that, I guarantee you, this will change your life. I believe that this has the potential to change your life as much as anything that you could ever get. Amen? I believe God brought us here to change us this week, and this will change your life. Father, I love you, and I thank you, Father, for your love for me, for all of us. I'm asking that for people, especially those in here, that, Father, have never felt that if they were to give you thanks and praise that it even meant anything to you. Father, I pray that you would show them how much you love them, how much you've longed to just hear a thank you for them. But Father, you've longed for them to be thankful for what they've got instead of always praying for what they don't have. Father, I pray that you would show every man in here their value and how much you long to have them just minister unto you, to bless you, to thank you. And I pray that, Father, you would quicken them and enable them to start doing this, to change their whole thinking, their whole way of life around. And that, Father, we will leave here and we will be people that bring glory to you, that we will bless you, we'll minister unto you, that, Father, we will, if nobody else is going to praise you today, Father, we want to be the ones that say thank you. I pray that you just place that thankfulness in our heart. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 
You know, I know that every single person in here, myself included, man, every time I minister on this, I think, God, I'm not doing a good job at this. I need to praise you a lot more than I do. So every person in here can respond to this. But as I was praying, I felt like that there's some people here that this isn't a reminder. It's not an encouragement to do it a little bit better. Your life is going the opposite direction. You're a griper and a complainer. You're a miserable person. And you make other people miserable. You are a griper and complainer. And I, I know that this is kind of hard because here's all of these guys, but you know what? There's some people here that need to, you know, man up and just admit that it's not everything else. I'm just, I'm negative. And maybe you've had more problems than others, but it doesn't matter. You can't control everything external, but you can control your response. You can choose whether you're bitter or better. That's your choice. And I just felt like the Lord was speaking to me that there's some people here that you need to repent and make a decision and turn the other direction. The scripture says that I am confident that he keeps that which I commit unto him against that day. No committing, no keeping. As I was praying, I felt like the Holy Spirit was wanting to help people to keep this commitment to just glorify God and make your life count. But you know what? You've got to make a commitment. You have to make an about face. You need to say, I've been wrong, and today I repent. And so openly, this isn't for just everybody. I myself need to praise God more. I guarantee I'll spend a lot of time the rest of this day at putting into practice what I talked about and just praising God. This isn't for everybody, but for those of you that were going in an opposite direction and you were just a griper and a complainer, and if the Holy Spirit has spoken to you and you're saying, I'm changing, I'm going home, and I'm going to be a person that is a thankful person, and I'm going to praise God. If you're going to make an about face, I'd like to ask you just to stand right now to humble yourself and I'm going to lead you in this commitment, and I believe that this is going to change your life. I want you to stand while everybody's eyes are open and their heads are up. This is important. Some of you think, what's everybody going to think about me? See, that's the problem. You're just thinking about yourself. You need to recognize God you need to think about ministering unto God, blessing other people. You need to die to yourself and put God and other people first. Anybody else? I'm going to pray this won't work if you're seated. If you're going to get this, you're going to have to stand to get it. Amen. Praise God. Father, we love you and we just thank you. And I praise you for these men who are honest enough to just stand and stay that for whatever reason, we've been negative. We've been going in the other direction. We've been griping and complaining. Father, thank you for showing us this truth. Thank you for revealing this problem to us. And Father, we turn from this. We repent and we make a commitment that we want to glorify you. Father, we want you to be blessed by us every day that you would inhabit our praises. That, Father, we will be a person that praises you regardless of what goes on. We make that commitment and we trust that you are faithful and just to keep that which we commit. Father, we believe that as we leave this place and regardless of what happens to us in the next 48, 72 hours, Father, we are going to remember this. We welcome your Holy Spirit to bring it back to our remembrance and help us 
to just keep praising you and being thankful. Father, as we go home, I pray that you would help men who've been negative to humble themselves in front of their family, friends, people at work, and just make a commitment that they are going to be a blessing, that they're going to help other people. Father, I thank you in advance for the miraculous results that this is going to do in their life, that it's going to change them, it's going to be a weapon against the devil, and that this is going to bless you. Father, we thank you for it. We agree and we receive it. Make this commitment and believe that you're holding us to it, reminding us of it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. You can be seated. Well, guys, I believe this has been a life changer. It's awesome. So uh, praise God. Go out and give them heaven. Amen. Have you got anything else, Gary? All right. Next year at the sanctuary. That's what we call our place. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.